0: Hi, if you have just found this podcast and are listening for the first time, you might notice that it isn't perfect. I was still very much learning how everything worked at this point, but it does get better as the episodes go on. Thank you for listening and please stay safe. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. Back in 2003, Charlene Downs was a 14-year-old schoolgirl living in Blackpool, England. Although she had become somewhat of a truant and often hung around with the wrong crowd, Charlene's mother was comforted by the fact that her daughter always returned home. Then one day, she didn't. Today, more than 20 years later, we have a pretty good idea of what might have happened to Charlene and yet nobody has ever been convicted of murdering her and her body has never been found. Charlene Downes was born in Blackpool on the 25th of March 1989 to her parents Karen and Robert Downes. They lived in Buckenham Street together with Charlene's younger brother Robert and two sisters Emma and Becky. By all accounts, Charlene was one of those babies who would wake up every three to four hours and scream bloody murder until she got her way. But when she grew up into a toddler, she became an adorable child, according to Karen. Karen said, her daughter was adventurous and strong-willed, constantly pinching Emma and Becky's dolls for fun. Charlene was a little troublemaker, but in a good way at this point, and she gave the family home an energy of its own. Unlike her sisters, Charlene was such a tomboy, and would prefer having a chat around bedtime instead of listening to stories before going to sleep. Her mother remembers, thinking, She's like an old woman, no wonder she and I are such good pals. Karen and Robert endured troubles in their marriage, and at one point they were apart for eight months, before they gave their relationship another chance. Many of their arguments were about the children, Robert said Karen was too soft with them, and in turn, Karen said Bob was too harsh. Still, they tried their best to make it work. The family relocated to Blackpool from the West Midlands in 1999, when Charlene was 10 years old. It seemed that the fresh start was exactly what they needed, and within two weeks, Robert, who had lost his job earlier, now found a new one as a doorman, and Karen began working in a hotel for the rest of the season. Charlene, Emma and Becky were enrolled into schools, and they seemed to settle in straight away. According to Karen, Charlene made lots of new friends, and she soon became inseparable with a boy called Martin. The two would often be seen walking hand in hand down the street, chatting away like a couple of pensioners. Martin had a similar old-fashioned view of life, just like Charlene, and every weekend they would go together to Sunday school. Karen recalls watching them, thinking that the family move into Blackpool was the best decision they had ever made. Charlene grew up to be a bright teenager who was doing very well at school. She was hard-working, well-behaving, and serious about her faith. The next few years passed by like a dream. Each member of the Downs family were living their best life, but things were about to change. In 2003, Emma had just turned eighteen. Becky was 16, Robert 12 and Charlene 14. According to Karen, Charlene's behaviour had started to unravel and she was starting to be a bit of a handful. Charlene had begun laughing at Karen's rules. She started being cheeky and not letting her mother know where she was when she went out or who she was with. Karen says that Robert tried to deal with the situation as he did with everything by shouting and laying down the law, but that didn't work with Charlene, who appeared to be influenced by her older sister Becky. Unlike Emma, who was well behaved, polite, and good at school, Becky refused to wear her uniform and she refused to go to school too. If she did go, her teachers called her parents, reporting Becky as misbehaving or arriving late. The situation got so bad that Karen had to involve a welfare officer who spoke with Becky. Afterward, she agreed to go to school, only to start truanting again just days later. And then there was Charlene, who looked up to her older sister and copied everything she did. When Karen told her that she needed to go to school, Charlene answered, I only need to misbehave, and then I'll get into the centre with Becky. Although Karen was frustrated, she wasn't too worried. She'd been dealing with Becky, and believed she was able to deal with Charlene. But soon enough... Charlene began skiving from school too, going shopping with Becky in the middle of the day, and she was even caught smoking. When Karen asked her daughter where she had gotten the money to buy cigarettes, Charlene just smirked and slammed her bedroom door shut. Not long after, Charlene was excluded from school for smoking. Karen says, that she wasn't only bothered by her daughter's bad behaviour, but the fact that it felt like Charlene was growing away from her and shutting her mother out. The strong bond the two had had before seemed to be fading. Karen no longer knew where Charlene was going, with whom she was staying, and from whom she got her money. Charlene often stayed out later than her parents permitted. "'hanging around the penny arcades. "'Yet, Karen tried to think that her daughter "'was just like any other girl her age, "'and it was all going to be just fine in the end. "'Saturday, November the 1st, 2003. "'Started like any other day in the Downs household. "'Charlene was up late in the morning.' and started swooning over her Darren Day DVD, while Karen's mother served her breakfast, eggs on toast. At one point, Charlene asked her mother, Have you seen one of my Reebok trainers? I've lost it. She was still looking for the missing shoe, while Karen was getting ready to go shopping with her mother. Charlene had plans to visit a neighbour, who had just had a new baby, before going to the arcades with Becky and their friends. Before leaving, Karen gave both of her daughters £5 each. By the time Karen returned later, Becky and Charlene were ready to go out. Charlene was wearing black jeans with a gold eagle design on the front a black jumper with a white diamond pattern, and black boots. She also wore a little denim bag on her shoulder. Before the two stepped out of the door, Karen said, "'Be good,' and smiled." At 4.45pm, it was time for Karen to leave for work to drop leaflets for the local Indian restaurant. As it was the day after Halloween, she could still see children in scary masks and witch hats. At 6.45pm, Karen spotted her two daughters drinking strawberry milkshakes while walking down the street. She told Becky and Charlene that it was time for them to head home, but Charlene still wanted to meet her friend Natalie at the arcades, as they had earlier agreed. So Karen waited with her for 15 minutes before Natalie's bus arrived. Charlene then kissed her mother on the cheek and said, Love you, Mum. Before Charlene and Natalie left, Karen reminded her daughter... Don't be late home, mind, darling, I don't want you being late. Watching Charlene walk away toward the winter gardens, Karen smiled, not realizing that she would never see her daughter alive again. When Karen arrived back home at around 9.30pm, Charlene was still out. As she still wasn't home by 10pm, which was her absolute cut-off time, Karen decided to call Natalie, who told her that she had left Charlene at the carousel at the end of the pier at around 9.30pm. She had told Natalie that she was going home. After that call, Karen realized that things were getting serious. Charlene had never been out later than 10.30pm, so Robert decided to go out with his pushbike to look around to see if he could spot their daughter, while Karen dialed 999, just in case something had happened. But the police just instructed Karen to give Charlene until the morning. With no other option, Karen and Robert who still hadn't been able to locate their daughter, waited up all night. Bob sat on one chair, Karen sat on the sofa, and neither of them were able to close their eyes. By the time the morning came and Charlene had still not returned, Karen desperately called the police again. It was Monday morning when the police finally came to the family home and Charlene was reported missing. One of the officers said, "'It's likely she has just run away.' The words were most probably meant to comfort, to say that the 14-year-old was most likely alive somewhere. But for Karen and Robert, it just sounded like the police weren't taking the situation seriously. Charlene was not the type to run away. She misbehaved, yes.' But she always returned home. So, right from the start, Karen had the feeling that somebody had taken her daughter. The following day, the police called and said they would send a forensic team to search the family home for clues. Afterward, the house was left in a mess, but Karen was unsure if the officers had found anything significant. CCTV cameras in the area were checked, and Charlene was captured on footage outside a Blackpool bar on Talbot Road, with a woman, roughly in her 30s, wearing a three-quarter length black coat. Other than that, there was absolutely no trace of the 14-year-old. Days missing slowly turned into weeks, and then to months. During the investigation, officers from Lancashire Police had taken more than 4,800 witness statements and more than 10,500 lines of inquiry had been generated. But all the investigated leads just kept leading to more dead ends. Disturbingly though, Charlene's family later found out that the police had contacted the media assuring them that this was just a runaway case and that there was no need to cover the story. Because of this, precious time was lost that could have been used to get all possible exposure, which is critical in the early stages of missing person cases. But Charlene's face wasn't in the newspapers until a month after she went missing. It took three long and painful years before there was any development in the case. The police contacted Charlene's family and informed them that they believed she had been murdered. In an interview, Karen said that after hearing the news, she dropped a boiling cup of coffee she was holding all over her thighs, but due to the shock, she didn't feel a thing. Two people had been arrested: 29-year-old Ayat Albatiki, the owner of Funny Boys fast food outlet in Blackpool, and his business partner Mohammed Riveshi. Again, the police didn't handle the situation in the best way. They did inform Charlene's family about the arrests, however. They didn't share any further details. Those horrific details, the Downs family had to read from the newspapers that stated that Charlene had been murdered and her body cut up and made into kebab meat. The trial began in May 2007, during which a shocking piece of evidence was revealed an audio tape of the two men talking about killing a girl, holding her body in a car, and then cutting it up and putting it into kebabs, sold from the fast food outlet. It was also revealed that there was a serious grooming and child exploitation ring operating in the Blackpool area. Allegedly, the men running local takeaways were giving young girls free food, alcohol, and cigarettes in exchange for sexual favours. Apparently, Charlene had been one of 60 girls who had been groomed and exploited by the ring. Still, despite all the evidence provided by the prosecution, the jury failed to reach a verdict. A retrial was scheduled the following April, but due to serious errors in the Lancashire Police Force covert surveillance evidence, al Albatiki and Mohamed Raveshi were released. It is widely believed that these two men are the ones responsible for the disappearance and murder of Charlene Downes. But there is no way of proving it, at least for now. Furthermore, a 51-year-old man from Preston was arrested on suspicion of murder in Charlene on the 1st of August, 2017. But he was released without charge two days later. As for now, Charlene's case remains open and unsolved. Her family still waiting for answers. Sadly, The Downs family were struck by yet another tragedy in 2021 when Charlene's younger brother Robert collapsed and died inside the family home. His cause of death is not known as it is not known for sure what happened to his sister 20 years earlier. There is still A one hundred thousand pound reward on offer for information leading to the conviction of Charlene Down's murderer or the discovery of her body. Anyone with any information should contact the incident room on O one two five three six oh seven three seven oh, or call Crime Stoppers anonymously on O eight hundred five five five. One one one, or you can email Charlene Downs' investigation at lancashire.pnn.police.uk. Please see the episode description for further details. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews, and of course, your patience. I really do appreciate it, and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits, and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release, and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget... You can also like, follow, and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, You can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and please stay safe. If you have any information relating to any of the cases featured on this show, you can contact the police on 101. Or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. For more information, please visit our website at www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find further details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.